Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. We play this song on the radio. We play this song on the radio. Hey, it's your mid-month Now and Again. This is Side B, Volume 15. Nico is still here. I think what's really amazing is that all Side Bs are now... And again. Mm. Look, speaking of um, terrible turns of phrase, we would just like to apologize for what happened in between side A and side B. Um, We had a lot of laughs about baby bash. We didn't know that um, the baby bash epidemic was a thing that occurred in Indiana in 1997, where teens were playing the knockout game with infants. Um, We didn't mean to make light of that. We were just... Laughing we, at Baby Bash, the artist, and we had at we had no way of knowing about the Boise Basher. So we, he just bashed all those nuns, and there's just so many things that are unrealistically close to Baby Bash um, that really hurt people in real life, um, and we just want to apologize. Um, if, if it seems like if you were offended, you know, if you were offended, we'd like to apologize that you were offended at us making fun of baby bash snowflakes. Um, that's like the worst intro we've ever done. Um, speaking, <laughs> it's really fitting for this episode because it really back half is. Of this is, is the I mean, back like, half we, of we something. Made, we made chicken salad out of chicken shit last episode, so I'm pretty sure we can make this happen. Uh, but it's not gonna start with "With You" by Jessica Simpson. I don't think this song has aged well, but I think when you think about the the conversations we've had about Jessica Simpson as a marketing machine, this was maybe the greatest thing she ever came up with. If Jessica Simpson was a brand line before art, before people were brands exactly. Uh, if Jessica right. Simpson was and the this promo, video is very aware of that. Yeah, and she hits every one of them. Like this is actually the joke I was making in last episode about the the cart boys. The real me is a southern girl with her big boobs on I don't know and an open heart yeah. um, wish I could save the world like I was Supergirl I started thinking about chicken like I mean you know everything about this song is such a well calculated move on her part um, and I actually think the chorus is really memorable and likable the The verses are kind of forgettable but the chorus is memorable and likable I'm waiting for it to come up and I'm trying to stall for conversation. Um, so this, for context, since it hasn't come up yet, um, we kind of briefly mentioned this the one other time Jessica Simpson came up on the show. At this point, she has a reality television show where her and her husband, former 98 Degrees frontman Nick Lachey, oh. um, they're, just, they're just at home together, essentially, and she's a dummy, and he's the straight man. Now, how much of that is real and how much of that is a persona she created? Who knows? Who cares? Well, but this is playing off that persona. To um, make a point, Far though, away. So this song is kind of about how she's goofy but lovable. She was playing this incredibly stupid persona, and he was just getting mad. Okay, I, I just kind of remember like him constantly like blank staring. 
but I don't I don't have a great recollection of that show whatsoever. I don't think I ever really saw it. From what I understand, from what I remember reading, it was very him being like, why are you being like this? Because there's cameras on. I didn't marry an actress. What is wrong with you? Uh, so he didn't, like, get what was making things work. Right. That'd be like a producer coming up to the person on, like, Survivor who's like, I am not here to make friends. And the producer being Don't like, you want to hey, make more like, friends? This is an athletic competition. You need help from people to win this, okay? I think you should really reconsider your stance on friends. I think his problem... And if you're here to make them. I think his problem was more that she was, like, actually kind of garbage. She was? I know her... her uh, you know. No, I mean, like, her, her, her character. We had Brittany and Justin, and we had Nick and Jessica, who were, like, the slightly more off-brand. If, you know, Brittany and Justin were, you know, advertising for Pennies or Macy's. Um, Jess and Nick were advertising for Kmart. Everything about them was kind of just doomed from the start. They broke up once early on. He was much older. She had that virginal Hmm. pure image and the fact that, like, now she was getting fucked by this big, thick stud guy, like, immediately ruined the virginal pure image, you know? Hmm. Like, I'm watching the video where she's trying very hard to be doing her, like, dumb, likable shtick through music video. And it's just, like, it's just unlikable like i know that she's been in at least a movie i'm pretty sure she was in the dukes of hazard movie um playing uh, hot pants hazard or whatever um she's just not even a good she's not good at portraying this dumb persona like she just it just it doesn't work she looks like someone who's never actually had fun in her life yeah she looks like, like somebody this is how humans laugh ha 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 um, you know, and like I, I get why this song is so forgettable and why it hasn't been remembered better. Uh, I think because this song also reminds us of something very. There's, there's something almost so saccharine about a lot of this now. There's something really uh, how fake this performance was. This music video. Yeah, it really is. It really, really is. That's all I got, man. This. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 to this day. I don't know if it was the the chicken is tuna thing was like staged or if it was very well scripted um, or whatever, but, like, regardless, there was something vaguely natural to it. And there just doesn't seem like... It seems like they took that and they ran with it, and, like, like the whole persona now is just that turned up to 11, and it's all fakey-fake. And, I mean, that's saying a lot for someone who's already a pop singer. I just don't care. I don't... Really don't actually want to see any more of her on the show. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Cool, let's do a full 180 and talk about Nora Jones with Sunrise. I don't love this song a ton. If this is the best they had to follow up, don't know why, as a single, when that was like a fucking smash. Um... Um, I mean, it's just possible that Nora Jones was never really supposed to be a radio hit, uh, and there wasn't a lot to follow it up with. Right. That's that's. Um, but like, I just this is not what I would have picked. She's just kind of forgettable, you know. I I yeah. I don't I don't understand. And like I've even said on this show that I liked "Come Away with Me" a lot, but I don't understand why it invented mm-hmm. latte gaze, and I don't understand Same. why it spawned 
um, so many awards and so many copycats. It 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 didn't make sense to me. It was a yeah. little too easy listening without the sexy Sade parts. I don't want to listen to a bunch of mellow Chris Isaac songs. This this sounds like a Feist song. It, it, it's it's very stripped down. It's very barren. Just you know. I don't think Nora Jones was ever supposed to be a radio smash. It just kind of happened. And that was awesome because that song was great. But, like, this is clearly a case of them trying to follow it up. And it's just like, nope, nope. Everyone everyone at the party just stopped and is looking at you. And the record scratched. And everyone knows you're not supposed to be here. And I even think parts of the song are beautiful. That chorus, ooh. Oh, I don't think it's bad. Oh, I goddamn. I think... Uh, I mean, I like Feist, so when I say that, I don't really mean it as an Let insult. Let it die in the reminder. Good stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, I yeah, this song is this song is a victim of not being on the more popular record. That's it. She was, you know, there's so many artists that yeah. I can't tell you. Like, you know, Alanis Morissette was always meant was always meant to carry a million fans at a time. But Jagged Little Pill carried 17 million fans because mm. it was right place at right time. Tori Amos pretty much standardly carries her, her her fan base with her. It doesn't really fluctuate much anymore these days. Um, you know, there are art- – fuck, I, I hate her. But Taylor Swift seems incapable of carrying less than half of the white women on earth at any given time. And um, I, I – yeah. God, this new record's just so fucking stupid and fake. It's so fake. It's so saccharine. Every time I saw a year end list that had a uh, reputation on it, I immediately just closed it and was like, never again. Because, uh, I mean, it's just, just, that's embarrassing. Like, that is the most pandering bullshit if you're going to lower yourself to putting that anywhere near the best albums I of agree. this year. I believe Rolling Stone had it in, like, their top ten, and I just, I was like, yeah, you also had the Foo Fighters new album on this list, You Rolling Stone, you are the most fucking Rolling Stone you can possibly be right now. You f- fucking uh, done doomed product of a bygone era piece of shit magazine free Matt Taibbi you know I think part of the problem is we stopped worrying so much about what was actually new and cutting edge as a culture and you know I I think back to when we were kids and there were just certain actors that my parents would be like well they were a very famous actor and I'd be like okay well what what have they made and they're like well nothing in your lifetime but they still get treated that way and I'm like why and I feel like we never saw our own (laughs) set of that settling in yeah yeah. This is like trying to explain to me when I was a kid why, you know, Orson Welles was important. You know, or like, because like I've explained a million times, I grew up on 70s game shows. Do you know how long it was until I knew something Charles Nelson Riley actually fucking did? Do you do you know how long that took me? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Right? Always... And I didn't know Richard Dawson had done anything but Match Game and Family Feud. To find out that he wasn't actually just like famous for game shows was kind of disheartening. The only other thing I know him in is The Running Man, where he plays a game show host. (laughs) I don't actually know another Richard Dawson thing. He was, like, in Hogan's Heroes or something. He was in one of those, like... Oh, yes, he was. I believe, yes. I think I I had this conversation with my girlfriend's father on Thanksgiving, as weird as that sounds. (laughs) Like, (laughs) watching the game show network in between cooking, and I think... He was surprised how much I knew about it, but at the same time, I was like, but I don't actually know who Charles, Charles Nelson Riley or um, Grace, not Grace, uh, the, the, the woman who always sat next to Charles Nelson Riley. Brett Sumner. Yes, Brett Sumner. There you go. Um, yeah, like, I don't know who these people actually are. 
It's like I've seen every motherfucking episode of The Gong Show, but God only knows who half of the people were. I mean, I know who Betty White is, at the very least. I know she would show up on that sometimes. So, anyway. I know who Nipsey Russell um, is. Uh, uh, what are yeah, we doing? Uh, where the fuck are we? So, uh, is this how we avoid talking about Cheryl Crow's The First Cut is the Deepest? The First Cut is the Deepest. Baby, I know. The First Cut is the Deepest. When it comes to being lucky, he's cursed. I, you still worship Sheryl Crow, right? I, as a little kid, I thought Tuesday Night Music Club was a really incredible record, and like "Strong Enough" was a song that like was one of those things where, in, like, you know, it was just a song I loved, and it sat in my range, so I'd want to sing it. And we'll go back to episode can, one, question mark, and we talk about how much we really like um, "Favorite Mistake." Yeah, and, and Globe, Sessions Globe Sessions and all that. And yeah. uh, Sheryl Crow self-titled is another incredible record with the book. And it, it's such a good record and uh, all the singles. And she, all those singles she was so famous for. All of those incredibly catchy poppy pop rock songs. And I hate this song. She just accepts her hard right into mom rock. Like right around now. Into like country inspired crap. Yeah, it's bad covers because i think she's gonna do a cover of sweet child of mine that makes me want to slip my wrists she already did it and i i'm gonna go back and say i actually like that cover no do you know why i like that cover because i don't actually think why that's a great song by guns and roses i think it's an okay song by guns and roses i think guns and roses had some phenomenal songs but i think um i i think it sounds very much like exactly what it is. It sounds like a... That's how I feel about Paradise of, City. Yeah, no, I like November Rain and shit. Yeah, I don't even think I could call myself someone who likes Guns N' Roses. Same. Like, I don't dislike them. Um, but, like, they exist. They certainly... Critics agree. <laughs> Guns N' Roses existed. <laughs> Yeah, um, much like this song. Uh, I like all of the original versions. So this song was originally, yeah, this song was originally by Cat Stevens and Rod Stewart, and I hate it by both of them, too. I think, so, I don't think Cat Stevens, I think he wrote this, and like the big versions are not, yes. by, yeah, they're not by him. But the Rod Stewart one I actually quite like. Um, I think the Keith Hampshire I one hate is Rod what like, everyone kind of remembers, um, but I don't know, Um my mom loved Rod Stewart growing up before she discovered pop country. I wish she just stuck with Rod Stewart, even when he became like a lounge crooner. An American song treasure. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I quite like this song. Um, and I just, I think the Sheryl Crow one is far too clean from both a performance progression, just like how it sounds, the, the production, her own, prefer- everything, every aspect of it just sounds way too clean for a song with, that's about this like you're supposed to hurt in this song a a lot um and she just sounds so happy to be on the Grey's Anatomy soundtrack yeah and you know what that's something that it's no one it's no one's fault but like if if you know I feel really bad but Mariah Carey is at her best when the world is against her when the world is slamming Mariah Carey into a wall saying you're gonna have a mental breakdown and you need to deal with it bitch Mariah Carey pulls out the best goddamn records of her career every time. But when she's successful, her music turns into, like, crap because she gets so happy with being successful. 
she's so happy with herself and she thinks she's so great. And so she stops making like art that, that is compelling and real and human. And she stops feeling emotions and she starts (laughs) feeling billions. And when I hear Sheryl Crow on Tuesday night music club through globe sessions, when I hear, um, there goes the neighborhood, I hear a performance and I think she sounds so pathetic on everything, on anything but down. And I mean, yeah. like, good pathetic. She sells it, right, on um, the difficult kind. She breaks my heart every single time, right? And here, I think she sounds like a pop star having a really great time in the studio with her friends fulfilling a contractual obligation to record an original yeah. song for her greatest yeah, hits that's, collection. That's that's exactly what this kind of thing is, is the bonus song on a greatest hits collection cover, yeah, I think it actually is the bonus well, song on the very best of Sheryl Crow. I'm not kidding. Completely unsurprising. Um, yeah, I could leave the song behind forever. Uh, Fifi Dobson. Let's everything. do it. Um, okay, so. Nothing. Yeah, I, I. This sounds like a million <laughs> songs. I think when I when I kind of threw in that Hillary Duff song as like the third song in an omission, which is always kind of like the gag slot. Uh, you were like, this song was recorded like forty times in these three years, and this completely could be a Hillary Duff Ashley Simpson song. There's no you can replace shuffle it around. It's it's anybody, and it's not even just anybody. It's cheap anybody. Mm-hmm. Did she also sing a song that was something about, like, running into the sun or something like that? Phoebe Dobson? Yeah. Uh, I remember her having um, Take Me Away. Take Me Away. Take me away. Take me far away from here. You will learn. We will run. She was supposed to be like... like Run into the sun? Newer, younger. I think that's the song I'm I'm thinking of. So, yeah, I knew I'd recognized this name before. Um, but I feel like they're trying to have her do like an Avril thing and it's just like, then why yeah. is this the song you're doing? They tried to make her be new Avril. Avril is harder than this right now. I know. It's awkward. It is. It's just not good. This, um, I was wondering why this person who I didn't remember had an actress who I vaguely remembered in her, in the music video. It was Erica Christensen. That's because this was on the soundtrack for The Perfect Score. The movie about a bunch of teens pulling an Ocean's Eleven and stealing the SATs. Yeah, that's a thing that happened in 2004, and I remembered literally none of. Um, <laughs> there you go. Chris Evans is in it. Uh, I wanted to say Scarlett Johansson was in that, but I, I think I remember... Yeah, they're in it together. Right, as like a, they're, they're both little yeah, babies. It was the first movie they made together. And now they're Avengers, and Eric Christensen and Fifi Dobson are not. No, and that's the sad thing. And, you know, Avril got hers. She had to marry Chad Kroger. Oh, man. God. Um, I think we're going to get back to Avril soon. At least I hope we are. Um, Oh, man. I don't want to go to the next song because it is no hyperbole. One of my least favorite songs of all time. I think I may have said, like, this is one of the worst songs I've ever heard on this show a couple of times. And, you know, that is kind of hyperbolic. Um, But I do not mean this. Do not take this lightly. Um, don't think I'm fucking around. This song, when people ask me what my least favorite songs are, 
um, because it always comes up because one of them is Hotel California. And when people hear that, they're like, well, what else is in that company? Um, I can tell you that this always comes up along with Honky Tonk Badonkadonk, um, which I think, unfortunately, is on a now soon. Um, but I fucking hate this song. And I it just like, I feel like I'm doing Miss Scarlet. Right. And in, you haven't said what song it is Miss White in Clue right now with this, this Flames. Right. And you haven't said what song it is yet. Flames on the side of my head. Flames on the side of my head. Nick, please take over. I'm having an aneurysm. Uh, flames on, on on the side of my face. Heave, he, he, heaving breast. No, I meant I meant with the title of the song. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant continue to do the. But thank you the, the for Madeline being my Khan thank you for being my Madeline Kahn. Yeah, I'm sorry, I misunderstood. That's that's a pretty classic moment in, in our friendship. Actually, you yeah. said Nico, please take over the and I did the impression you were doing further. Uh, I hate <laughs> everything about you by Three Days Grace. Uh, and it's just because it's so on the nose. I mean, like, literally, sometimes I think about bad lyrics I want to make fun of, and I go to this. I hate everything about you! It's like, you hate everything about me, why do you love it's me? It's just obnoxious. And it's not even just that it's obnoxious, it's that it's, like, actually too stupid. Like, seriously, it's actually too stupid because i'm willing to put up with a lot i really am i'm willing to put up with a lot as i explained in the first half of this episode i'll put up with crazy shit from tori amos as long as it gets me my emotional climax i'm there right and this kind of rock is really passionate and really driven so if this guy is going to scream at me and he's going to scream something about hating everything about me all right like but give me something that it's just like the same lyric over and over again and it's so simplistic and the melody does doesn't go anywhere and the song doesn't really have much of it, a dynamic flow it just sort of starts up and stays up and i just i you know uh, not a band i think much of mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everything he said um this song is the song makes me want to die this song is like the epitome of like angry at dad privileged white boy rock and i just i i have i i give it no quarter just even back when I was a, a shitty 18-year-old with terrible taste in music. Um, though to be fair, uh, if we are doing the context of our lives, um, this is kind of the point I had alluded at in the past where I'm coming out of only liking like power pop punk and ska and like I'm starting to like real music now. Um, even as a shitty 17-year-old, 18-year-old with terrible music taste, I hated this song so much because it just felt insulting like it's just so targeted at a certain demographic but in the most obvious blatant like bad taste in your mouth kind of way it truly feels like you're insulting these people's fucking intelligence yeah it, it truly feels like this can't be real like um it it just truly feels like it can't Someone had to not be aware of how bad this was. There's this video that my friend shared, my friend Bobby, that I mentioned last episode. He shared this video of these two women singing He's Got the Whole World in His Hands really off key. (laughs) Or Go Tell It on the Mountain. I forget which one it is, but like they can't possibly know they're on camera. They can't possibly. It's clearly like an 80s local access network, but they can't possibly know they're on camera. I mean, I will get. I, I will link this. I kind of want that video. Yeah, I will yeah, link this do. to you. 
but like it's 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 unfathomable. I guess I guess bands like this just uh, I mean um, who's the catalyst for this right now? Like we're coming out of your Limp Biscuits and Corns, so like it's a little less rap rocky and more just like angst rocky. Um, oh well, then I can say exactly what it is. Like who catalyzed that ex- in between? Who's the missing link? Is it like a Papa Roach? The missing link is that um, ev- I'm sending it to you right now. By the way. Um, the missing link is that we were in an era of music where everything was some hint of humor. There was a, a, this sense of funny to all of the rock. It it was a response to the hyper dramatic of grunge. Mm. Uh, you know, grunge faded away, and grunge had built on the the saccharine of hair metal, and then grunge gave way to singer songwriters and and folk rock mm-hmm. and Lilith Fair. And all of a sudden, rock starts making a comeback because boy bands are too cute and too precious. And um, Limp Biscuit was silly, and Corn was kind of silly. And um, there were still legit bands in there. You know, Nine Inch Nails never went anywhere. Garbage only got a little bit more electronic and released the greatest electronic rock album I can remember. Uh, but, like, you know, I think. Because rock was allowed to be silly for a little while, because I think the catalyst, I think the turning point was stained when mm. Limp Biscuit pushed Stain. Yeah, I could see that. And all of a sudden, it, it's been a while. And that wasn't Stain's first record, so it was just their breakthrough record. So you already had these artists bubbling under the surface as a standard. And uh, I think it was just, you know, and then it makes the turn back again with Hoobastank, you know? There's, there's no self-awareness, um, which, you know, you can't say much good about Limp Bizkit, but there was some self-awareness there. I don't think Korn really did that too much. Um, but yeah, I Stained was totally self-serious and navel-gazy, so I can absolutely see this following straight from that spot the fuck on. Yeah, and Rock just had to be so serious, and nobody could have a good time, and men, men had to be angry, and... You know, they had to curse fervently when they came and scream about their uncle. Uncle Chris, uh, what what rock songs, like what music did you have to get angry about the Iraq War to when you were in college? Well, tiny baby. we try not to get angry since the baby bash. (laughs) But when we do, it was three days (laughs) grace. I hate everything about you, which was definitely about George W. Bush. Yes, it was a response to the war in Iraq. It was a special duet with Britney Spears. Uh, they performed this at the VMAs with Lil' Kim. And the Black Eyed Peas. Uh, I would see yeah, this! I would too. Um, I hate the weird fever dream universe we just created. Uh, I hate the song so much. Um, the one thing uh, I would yeah. say it has going for it... I, I hate everything about this song. I really do. Why does anyone like this song? One thing that they have going for it is this genre, their music videos are always super misogynist. Um, this one barely has women in it, though, so that's a good thing, um, I guess. Uh, I, I, I kind of want to comment that um, I do think this genre of music does epitomize uh, humongously problematic elements of toxic masculinity. I understand the desire to be complicated and complex and... Uh, you know, I haven't tried a whole lot of drugs based on the fact it's 
I'm not like saying that I've ever given into peer pressure, but I mean, you know, there was a larger conversation about people I know that I like did drugs, so I, I'll do them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I guess what I'm trying to say, I feel like these men are very angry and they they seem to want to be that kind of tortured angry. Mm-hmm. I, I just want it to be self-tortured. And 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 drink heavily and do drugs and 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 write in my little corner and and be my my, my little weird snowflake self. Um, but I never wanted to hurt anybody. I just wanted everybody to think I was really artsy and have a lot of sex with me. And like these guys seem to want to get into a relationship with a woman that they refuse to marry, who has possibly had their abortion. Um, and live in in a bad neighborhood and in a, in a rundown house with broken oh, windows and I, an open I, door. I think they romanticize that. I think this is... Yes, 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 yes. That's even what I'm saying. That's, this and is someone like, who is so mad at dad because dad is like, look, son, uh, you're going to... First off, I named you Chadwick, not Chad. Please stop going by Chad. It's insulting to your grandfather. Secondly, you're taking over the import-export business when you get out of college. Uh, unless this band makes something of itself very quickly. Like, I just want you to know, Dad. Look, we're not, we're not going to make it on your timetable, okay? Because you can't rush art. Chemical Toilet is going to be a timeless band. Okay, so I feel really bad because a lot of my friends are into genres of music I just don't know how to interact about. It's not that I can't appreciate them, but I can't talk about them. I don't have anything to say, and I don't mean that shitty, but... I do personally think I don't understand hardcore screaming. I just don't. I don't. I, if you can't understand, I mean, this is this is not that though. No, 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 no. But I'm I'm getting there. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. So when 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 if someone is so cookie monsters, yeah. <laughs> when people sound like Cookie Monster and bust out German. I don't know what to say because I'm mm-hmm. like, I I don't I don't understand how purposely moving out of a language you understand as as the the modus to express yourself um, particularly enhances what you're trying to do. But I'm not trying to tell you who to be, and I don't know how making your content near impossible to understand enhances it. But uh, you got to do you. Um, but I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, you come across so angry in this music. You seem emotionally impotent. And while I, exactly, we're not talking about it. I think the atmosphere that these music videos all helped perpetuate and these songs and this whole idea of borderline romanticized emotional violence, domestic yeah. emotional violence, mm-hmm. this... This really uncomfortable notion that this man and this woman are going to have this weird, complicated relationship where there's definitely going to be implied physicality despite the emotional abuse. And they both are emotionally abusive. She probably screams at him. She might even throw a book at him at one point in the video. And he constantly storms out and runs his hands through his long, greasy hair. And it. That's perfect. It, it, it's. I have this humongous response to this because. I feel like we don't really talk about this as a mm-hmm. culture. 
we sure do love to say, oh, but, you know, in rap videos, and fuck you for that very much, because I don't think rap videos in any way embody a sense of uh, warm positivity about the um, circumstances that... I don't think there's any sort of difference between that and this. No. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Um, and it's, yeah, I think these music videos are gross. And I think that is an aspect of me generally disliking this genre. Um, also, it's just, just bereft of, like, anything. Uh, don't you love how deep the turn is in the last chorus, where instead of, I hate everything about you, the lyrics suddenly become, you hate everything about me. Like... <sighs> I used to hook oh, up with man. That's I used... just that's so deep. It's it was him hating you, and now it's you hating him. <laughs> I just got what you were doing. I used to hook up with this guy, and um, he was just so hot. It made no sense. Oh my god! It was like reality had to bend around how gorgeous he was. It was stupid, mm-hmm. right? But um, he was not the best storyteller, right? And. So he would be like, oh, my God. So let me tell you, did you hear about the changes they made to that from the book to the movie? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. And he's like, you're never going to guess. And I'm like, no, 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 I heard. And he's like, do you want to know what they're doing to the ending? And I'm like, yeah, no, they, they're making the, 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 the characters not dying. And he goes, well, guess what? She's not dying. And, like, that's how I feel about that twist ending chorus. A very, oh, that's, that's your story. Me literally, oh, got it. Got it. I'm, uh, I'd rather listen to Three Doors Down than Three Days Grace. Um, I'd rather watch Three Caballeros. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's actually really good. It's actually really funny and clever. Speaking of funny and clever, Blink-182 feeling this. I'm feeling this! Um, I actually think this is one of their better songs. I'm feeling this! But, um, like, you know, does Blink-182 hold up? I'm feeling this! Uh, not really. I just, I'll always appreciate some Travis Barker going ham on skins. Yeah. Can we talk about where they are today, though? Can we do that instead? Um, well, I, I, I think this is a fun song that gets really annoying. <laughs> I'm feeling you. Where, where, yeah, where are they now? Uh, well, like, Mark Hoppus is like a, a fave star tweet guy and just like, you know, is a real memester on the Twitter. And Tom DeLong is like working with the government to investigate aliens because he's full crazy. He wants, he wants to build a spaceship. Yeah. He, he believes he was abducted by aliens. Aliens exist. I just think that is completely awesome. Uh, like, you know, he's still doing Blink-182 and whatever, you know, that's, there's going to be a market for that. And, uh, they put out an album that was, you know, there's, pop punk is still a genre, like, it's out there. Um, you have to look for it now, though. And, like, they put out an album that is, despite them 
being like 45, that is still significantly better than what is coming out in that really awful genre now. Um, like, they're good at what they do. Their songs are well... I've, you know, I've said this before on this album about just a nice, well-structured song is all you need some time, and they know how to write a pop song. They really do. Yeah. I think Mark Hoppus is a genuinely good songwriter in in that kind of pop-punk thing. And they they helped... It's something... It's kind of funny. Uh, they kind of helped create the genre they later appreciated existing. They benefited from the people inspired by them taking what they did a step further so they could leap a few steps later on and suddenly be much more mature. Yeah, that's worth pointing out that this is their quote-unquote mature album. You don't get any songs on this album about, um, like, fuck it and, like, sucking your dad's dick or something like that. Yeah, uh, you know, Girl, uh, you know, Rock, Girl at the Rock Show is ultimately no more developed as, um artistry or a point of view as what's my age again it's no more developed it they were Mm -hmm. stuck in this holding pattern for a really long time miss you you know stuff like that did get them you know i can't wait until we do miss you because i can't wait to do my tom DeLong impression on that (laughs) i really hope it's on it now i just want to do that one line i want to make everyone who's on this show do their best tom DeLonge and sing that line Every episode. It's Um, one of my favorite moments in music. I think, yeah, I think they're a good band, but I think they, yeah, you're right. They have not stood the test of time well. Songs stand up well, but I don't know that, I don't know, I I don't see, I don't see Blink-182 getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, um, I do, because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is just a bunch of nothing. Like I still don't. (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna run out of classic rock artists to put in it'll happen well, one day it will but you know then they'll give it to like artsy people like Incubus oh Sufjan Stevens class of 2024 uh, thank you it's uh, it's an amazing honor to be here with the other hard rockers like Jethro Tull <laughs> um <laughs> they released they, that metal album that yes beat, of course the and, you know, Lars Ulrich wanted to thank Jethro Tull for not releasing an album that year. Pretty good. You know, here's a great summary of power pop, pop punk, whatever you want to call it. Blink-182 holds up better than almost all of their contemporaries. There. That is a, that is damning, or what is it? Pr- damning with pr- faint praise? There you go. Because they mean, have yeah. they they have held up wobbly, but everybody else has a lot worse off. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, good Charlotte, hold on. Fuck it. Give a shit. Nope. Um, nope. 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 I one time was trying to like I was totally banging it with this hot ass dude. Um in high school. Wait, what? I was like banging the hell out of this hot ass dude in high school and he oh, was Oh, sorry, super... you cut out. Continue, just continue. Yeah, and he um he was super into good Charlotte. I still couldn't pretend to like them. Yeah. Uh they are And it like wound up like losing me the dude. It was really I was like, <laughs> "Nope. This is uh, this is terrible. I I don't want to bang you that bad." 
Uh, it's it's <laughs> the song will make your penis crawl into your stomach. Uh, f- yeah, fuel falls on me. This song won't make your dick crawl into your stomach, but it's not good. I actually think this song has a really great chorus, and I think it has a really embarrassingly unrelated verse. And um, I love the the vocalist from Fuel. Like, I actually think his voice is incredible. But I think this song could be a Creed song. A beautiful Isn't there another song with a very similar set um, of lyrics? I think this song sounds like 10 songs. But isn't there, like, specifically, like, the line, like, all your weight falls on me? Like, that's a song Not that I can in the think 90s, of. right? Not that I can think of. Um, Collective Soul, all your weight, it falls on me, it brings me down. So I can't, I actually thought that's what the song was going to be. Like a cover thereof? Yeah, or- I thought it was either going to be that song, and I didn't remember when it came out, or it was going to be a cover of it. And it's just like, it just uses the exact same lyrics in the chorus in a different order. Which yeah, is Yeah, that is interesting. Me. That is very strange. Um, that's all I have to say about the song because I don't fucking care. It's yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's just... It, it's really... Uh, five for Fighting, 100 Years... Hundred years, that's exactly how long it feels to listen to this song, am I right? Ha <laughs> ha. I hate this song, I hate this song, I hate it. I hate this song, yes, I really do. I hate this song. I hate it. This is a song that would play I, I, in I the it. third act of Scrubs, where like each character on the show is like, oh no, my patient, but also my love life is dying. And at the same time, everyone would go, I'm sorry. In like a triptych <laughs> cut. Um, I, oh God, I really do love Bill Lawrence shows. Um, I, you know, I actually hate this song. Like, truly. Like, I feel really bad, but like, I think this song sucks. And I think it sucks because it, 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 I, I don't like songs that are, um, it's really funny, and I'm about to sound like an asshole. And I just realized, I just realized how uh, how horrible it must be to be an ace person in our world sometimes. Because I was about to be like, I, I think it is. I I don't begrudge people these beautiful moments with their kids, but like, I sometimes think people know they can make a quick buck writing a song uh, about how much they love their kid. Um, as much as I think Daughters by John Mayer is a dreadful piece yeah. of garbage, I, I, I'm a mm-hmm. huge John Mayer fan. I've seen him live more times than I can count. And I can, I can imitate him as best I can on guitar. <laughs> and uh, I love him. But I think Daughters, and I, I hate when he speaks. Please <laughs> understand, I think he's an incredibly problematic man. Yeah. Um, but God, I think it's Daughters is a horrible piece of garbage. 
It's like the yeah. worst song in the world. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's schlocky because I don't think he wrote it to romanticize being a dad. I think he wrote it knowing what a scoundrel he is. And I think it's from the point of view of what a scoundrel he is. Boys, you know, it, it just it, it, it's him saying, you know, he's going to suck. And, you know, he's got to be better to, to, to girls because someday he's going to be a father. And these guys give these girls speeches about guys like him. Mm. And um, my uncle one time said, my great uncle when he met my father for the first time said to my grandfather I met Jane's uh, fiance he's not Mm. like us and like saying that my dad was you know not the same kind of like rough and tumble kind of from the streets they were and my grandfather said thank god I would not want her to be with a guy like us and that's kind of what daughters is um this song is not that. This song is how much money can I make off of ex- exploiting the sentimentality yeah. of fatherhood. Okay. And maybe that's just me being callous and maybe I'm not being very fair because maybe I've never been a dad and I don't plan on being a dad. So I don't know what it's like. And maybe that's even why I'm a little resentful. And that's why it's super unfair because poor ace people, every song on the radio is about getting dicked. And it must be really hard to live in a sex and romance obsessed world uh, when you're ace and I'm sitting here being like I don't want to have kids why is everybody always writing songs about kids and there's one song out of this now about being a parent there's maybe one song per now about being a parent if that and being generous Uh, I think I just really find this song um, so on the nose and so so it's just it, it, it it's not trying it's not it's not aspiring it's it's happy to be where it is it's just there's that that guy Matt Carney, and he had that song a couple of years, like ten, fifteen years ago. Oh, and we'll see. Oh, that will be. Push the pedal down. Watch it spin around. Maybe. You'd know it if you heard it. I promise. And there's nothing left to live. This song got me to look up what adult contemporary technically is, since it was number one on the adult contemporary charts. Um, it seems like it's just boring music. Like, there doesn't really seem to yeah. be like a specific designation <laughs> of what that is. Just super chill for thirty five. Yeah, minutes. like I would love to know what, um, like who the person that designates that shit is. It's like we uh, we polled one hundred moms, and uh, they determined <laughs> that uh, Ed Sheeran was indeed uh, adult contemporary. Congratulations, Ed. But I'm um, so, so, uh, hey, uh, why would I? Why did I? Oh, so that Matt Carney guy, right? Um, he has that really boring song that, that they still play sure. in Walmart. And um, I, last time that happened, I said to my husband that uh, he opened for someone, John Mayer maybe even, and all of his songs other than that one song had an identical chorus to that mm. song, but had him kind of speak in poetry for the verses that would occasionally get mm. faster and slightly more intense. That makes me want to throw up. And it all kind of sounded like folksy... Um, uh, talking Heads, and it was really mm. bad. And uh, his name is Matt Carney, and I bring it up because I kind of put Five for Fighting in that same category of like, it's a guy and he sings and he plays an instrument and it goes mm. up high mm. and then mm. it kind of winds mm. down here. 
for a while over and over again and that's all of their music no pass he's just this magical product of his era uh five for fighting he had this he had superman um right and it's just boring chill ass piano piano rock they they, they all sound they sound like a parody that south park would do they they sound like mad tv parodies of of a less comical vocal performance yeah that's that's just i'm I'm, I'm done um yeah i'm done we're done we are done with 15 i believe it it was the best of times it was the worst times but mostly it was the worst times um i've gone down a wikipedia rabbit hole on adult contemporary um i'm trying to (laughs) i'm hitting back to get back to there okay so we are definitely done with now 15 um it was a poo not a poo like from the simpsons it was a poop a a, a stick of poop a, a a turd a singular turd this was not this was not a now that was truly representative of what was popular at the time and I'm not saying that like I am the definitive reference because I already yeah if you if you're a first time listener uh, you probably want to check out side A but in the first episode I said that you know this is kind of like late in our senior year we were pretty distracted by being afraid yeah that, you know the terrifying best times of our lives were almost gone but we hope we, we had the time of our lives we did we had a time mm-hmm. uh, when Rayanne Graff tells you you need to change your hair so. Um, but I, I don't think these songs necessarily truly reflect the experience of being around back then. I'd never heard of some of these. <laughs> no, so, Sarah I completely, Connor, I'm looking at you. Completely agree. Um, next album, which I mean, I think you're you're almost certainly going to be on. Um, I would feel the same way. It's just like I feel like we have really been. Oh, but Ocean Avenue is going to be on that, so we'll have um, we'll get you'll get to talk more I about prom. Which I can also tell my prom story, which was not going to my senior prom, um, to instead do some cool music stuff. Um, So maybe I'll tell that next time. Uh, Let's do omissions. Omit me. Yeah? Yeah, omit me. Yeah, Usher, yeah. Featuring Little John Ludacris. Ludacris, uh, three, three in a row. The trifecta. That that has to be a record. Even though... Yeah! It's the mission. Yeah, uh, so... Also, welcome to the program, Dave Chappelle. Because Little John... <laughs> little, I was kind of mentioning on the last episode, like, how um, when we when we talk about um, Hollaback Girl in the future, it'll be like... was like the, the pre-memification of that song, like, something that carried it. Uh, it is certainly something that carried Little John for... The, past his expiration date was Dave Chappelle's Lil John. It's like, oh gosh, why can't I think of who it was? Who used auto tune and he sold the mic? Oh, um, never thought I'd be on a boat. Um, yeah. Oh, what is his name? T Pain. T Pain. Yeah, T Pain. I think that T Pain sold a microphone and an app, kept him around longer. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's if Yale was not on a now, it just wasn't licensed. Yeah, because huge, you're absolutely huge. right. This was like this, this, this. You couldn't avoid. Like I remember, 
you couldn't avoid this song senior year, and then you you really still couldn't avoid it first freshman year of college. Oh yeah, this song was like seriously popular for a solid year, easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Usher hit a lot of good shit in a row. Yeah, Confessions was a was a was a powerfully transformative record for him. Yeah, I mean it's it, this is just a huge song. Uh, everywhere, I'm sure. I'm sure you danced this at aforementioned prom yeah it um, was like yeah it dominated and it's it's a good song it's just um you know this this is one of those songs that's in admissions not because like really want to talk about it like it just it was huge and it was on a now and it's worth a shout out um i think it's still a good song it's i don't know if this the sound holds up um i i think it just the production style is so different than what's out now um, but I think it still holds up if you were alive at that time. I actually even think it um, mostly holds up now. Um, I'm just thinking, I, I don't know if like a kid listening to pop would, and who was in, who like, everything they heard was trap influence. Like if they heard this production style and these kind of beats, if they would like it just because it's like a good song. I, I don't know. Where I feel like Ludacris has something else that would carry it. Uh, like that sense of humor. Yeah, and the sense I of also. Fun. I think this. I think this kind of sound, this very full electronic synth '80s dance sound, comes around more often than we're giving it credit for. True. I think it's gone away and come back a few times. Um, real quick prediction for next year, if we if we make it through it alive, um, by the end of 2018, is trap still the thing? in pop or have we moved on to something else moved on to something else okay see i think it's so simple that i don't know if we actually will move on to something else i certainly hope we will but i think this has at least one more year in it i think we're going to start seeing dueling trends i just think it's so easy for like a soundcloud rapper to make a trap beat that this isn't gonna go anywhere immediately like it'll outlive its expiration date I think it's going to become plebeian too quickly. I certainly fucking hope so, because I'm real sick of it. Um, I bring that up just because the Bodak Yellow music videos and related videos to this, and I'm just like, ugh. But I still kind of want to click on it. Um, next submission. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in I feel really bad, episodes. but I think that song is terrible. It's not good. Um, but it's, might, it might be fun. I don't know. We'd have to talk about it, and I'd have to give it a couple listens. Uh, this Love by Maroon 5. whole record was perfect yeah these nope whole record's perfect these guys broke and were really the band for a couple of years around now 2004 to 2008 this record was so good um we, i immediately stopped loving them by the second record talk about maroon 5 a little bit because i never really got into them they were always kind of for me a band that had singles that i didn't turn off if they were on um, um they so, made- so take this they made really cool, kind of creepy, atmospheric, like, Halloween rock. Everything was a little creepy. Um, Adam Levine had this really cool, soulful, funky voice. And he was sexy, and he was kind of dirty, and they were kind of dirty, and it was really uh-huh. fun. 
and then all of a sudden they became huge and they got majorly hyper overproduced and now they don't have a genre they are just pop stars and that's cool but this record had a specific sound and this record was born of their previous incarnation Kara's Flowers Um, yep and this was the band that they formed out of Kara's Flowers breaking up and rethemed some of the songs. But that's why you've got like slightly closer to like Broadway esque numbers like Sunday Morning. Mm-hmm. Hey, another song called Sunday Morning so, this episode round. Yeah, um, like that. And another band who the rest of the members of it could be dead in a ditch somewhere and no one would know. Yeah. That is completely the case. Um, so. I think the Maroon 4 and the rest of No Doubt should form a uh, not-so-super group. <laughs> the Doubtful Eight. <laughs> Continue. Um, and so they... I actually think Harder to Breathe was a much better song than This Love, and I ultimately think uh, She Will Be Loved went on to be their biggest hit from this record. What's um, it? She Will Be Loved, which is my least favorite song on the record. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was the one song I skipped. Because I always thought it sounded like it could be a Vanessa Carlton song. Definitely. It, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the song is that I like of theirs. I think it's a ballad. It's like more ballady than this or Harder to Breathe. But um, Is it Sunday Morning? They may not know that maybe all no. I need. No, that is a really good one. But it's not that. That's not the one I was thinking of. I like what basically I like when they slow it down. I like when they go from like um competent making love music. Like I prefer that over their like what I feel is kind of like clunky fuck music. <laughs> clunky fuck music. Clunky fuck was my I believe that was the old monkey in the Donkey Kong Country series. Clunky fuck. <laughs> clunky fuck. And uh he actually has a chicken sidekick, Clucky Fuck. Yep, yep. Uh, oh, clunky and clucky. The fuck, brothers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I was never big on Maroon Five. Um, I, I tolerate most of their songs, but this this another one, like yeah, was all the fuck over. Good luck avoiding it. Couldn't. It is. Uh, it's with us forever. All right. Uh, it's this this the third slot. Um, when we're doing My Chemical Romances. I'm not okay. I promise. I think I think we need to talk very briefly about. Have we talked really at length about like mall culture in the early two thousands? Because I feel like this is a perfect segue into like hot topic, which is such an interesting, weird thing for like five or six, seven years to exist, and it just tells you a lot about the early two thousands that this was a thing. I just didn't get it. I think there was there was like whole stores for like hot topic was a store for like. The weird kid in class, like the, the the kids who felt like the you know the quote it was like the alternative Hollister. Um, you can buy all of your black shirts in there and all of your Nightmare Before Christmas sweatbands and checkered belts and music. Like you would find, you would genuinely find music there that you wouldn't find in other music stores. Um, Except was, the only thing I'm going to say is that I think by now this was no longer counterculture. I think by this point now this it had is already no risen. Counter- you mean like 2004 I, I th- or like 2017? I think 
by 2004. Okay. Post Avril normalized Hot Topic because I mm. remember going into Hot Topic when I was in like sixth grade, and it really was like, like it really was walking into Folsom Street, like it was nuts. And then, oh, I just left straight people behind with that one. Sorry about it. That's a really good gay reference. Um, <laughs> and um, then by the time high school rolled around, the Avril Lavigne normalization clip-on tieification of Hot Topic, by the time we were seniors, I believe they had already opened Torrid, their plus-size clothing store, which I think, by the way, is just such a brilliant idea. I and think I think they're... The parent company of theirs is Abercrombie and Fitch or Hollister or both anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like we were we were being so just, suckered yeah. into counterculture. And like that was that was the best we had it was like still obviously just not legitimate in any way. But I mean, where what else are you going to get when you're a suburban kid? And I, you know, I, I, I get the attraction to, to, to my chem. I, I don't get it actually. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get my chem, and I kind of don't get coheed. Don't get coheed. I know people who love coheed. Um, Same. I do not get them. I, I don't either. I think they. I think coheed and my chem take themselves too seriously. Yeah, um, I think I think my chemical romance took. I guess this is probably on the drinking game by now. I think they took alkaline trios thing and made it worse and more palatable and just rode that but like yeah like huh, there's a reason that band is still around 15 years later and my chemical romance had like a five-year shelf life like when they made it worse they made it not able to appeal beyond a certain age limit let alone a certain time period yeah i think my chem i think my chem tapped into the 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 bastard children of the the dads that liked I hate everything about you <laughs> yeah and I think my chem was like a little too fucking sissy faggy they wear fucking mm. eyeliner faggot do it in the ass faggot bullshit kind of you know Whoa. do I have to like put you in the ground kid no mm. kid of mine's gonna be a faggot kind of shit and like so the dads couldn't quite like my chem but the kids you know it was escape it was it was performance it it's the same kind of tory thing and maybe that's maybe that's even the lesson maybe i've i it, this is a, you know a joke i've made a million times over but like i'm like a gay man 10 years too young for the kinds of shit i like um mm-hmm. and uh, you know i think a lot of my chem stuff really is hysterically over dramatic Oh, I mean that they have that whole album after this where they try to do like a rock opera about cancer and like it just sounds like Queen had a bike injury and made an album. Like it's super over dramatic and overproduced and bad. Just double checking. Did you say it sounds, it sounds like they got a bike injury? And they still let them make an album. Yeah, it's like they weren't wearing a helmet, and then uh, they made Welcome to the Black Black Parade. <laughs> oh my god! No, yeah, okay. I I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And when it was like a humongous, massive super hit, I didn't get it either. Yeah, no. They um, they're a band that a lot of people liked, 
for a very brief period of time, and I couldn't figure out why at the time. And I certainly can't figure out now. I won't deny that I think some of their songs are good. I think I think they have a sound that is their own, but they didn't go into it enough. Um, and that was when they did songs more like Famous Last Words or Helena. Um, but like, yeah, so like, I can understand. I can almost understand. Even bands I don't like, I can see where they've got good whole songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's never a question. Like, even like, I bet Iman's got a pretty killer, like, you know, bump and grind song. Yeah, maybe. I certainly get it more than ugh, people really liked Panic at the Disco, and I don't get that at all. Like, I, and I feel like these I two got bands it for the first record. I feel like those two bands run very close together. But um, Panic at the Disco was like if you took the Dresden Dolls and mated them with My Chemical Romance, and they they left the baby in a dumpster. Panic is sort of like the middle step between Fallout Boy and My Chem. I, I, I don't I don't that the I mean. I guess my chem is, is, is the jumping off point. The one time we will get to talk about these kind of hot topic bands from 2004. Now I think the hot topic bands are like, uh, it's like scene. It's very scene stir stuff. Like, um, like black lipstick and very sharp angular bangs. Um, and like looking like, uh, Glay. Like, I think that's actually, the, that's um, the thing now. My band, my band, abandoned gas station circuit party. <laughs> Um, has our record of playing the water glasses while reciting the Declaration of Independence. Um, it's available at at Hot Topic, and thank you. Nice. All right. I'm barely kidding. I have seen so many bands like that over the years Ew. where they think they're performance art, but really... All they're doing is letting their family down in front of a lot of strangers. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't want any of that. I'm just, I'm just trying to click around on um, Panic at the Disco songs, and every single thumbnail is the guy looking like he was the lead singer in close <laughs> frame, looking like he was just thrown out of sleep no more for being a little too over the top. <laughs> Better to be thrown out of sleep no more than faith no more. <laughs> you want it all, but you can't have it. Uh, uh, anything else uh, about this now? I guess we should do um, recommendations if you don't have anything else. Jeez, uh, no, I don't. I, I don't even have I recommendations. Don't. I, I have recommendations. I I just uh, yeah, that was it. Was just sort of a this was a weird now because the problem is that the, the the there were shockingly bad parts and shockingly good parts of the first half, but the second half just sort of like uh, slogged to death. Yeah, the, um, the the rock stuff is really bad recently, and I don't think it's going to get better. Because I think it's going to slowly start to transform into pop country. Like, I think we're going to start wishing that we had more of those boring middles as opposed to the uh, endings that are coming. That's so disappointing. I know. Um, I, I think it's going to be really hard to do this fucking show in a couple of months. Uh, if I have a recommendation, it's... Uh, I'm super. I'm a super big fan of a show on pop in Canada called uh, Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek is side splittingly funny. 
it is such an incredible takedown of wealth culture uh, and it has a really good sense of humor and it's written by David Levy uh, and co-created with his father Eugene Levy who both star in it and it has um, uh, oh gosh why can't I think of her name it's so embarrassing the mom from Home Alone Catherine O'Hara oh okay so it's a lot of people from like the um, yeah yeah yeah, like a yeah, yeah. best in show and that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest, yeah. Um, and it's it's just truly tremendous. It is literally one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, and also, I hope everybody's watching The Good Place, which I think is... I don't want to talk about it because every episode is a series redefining reveal. Huh. Uh, and it is, it, is, it is such a fucking ride. It is bizarre. It is bananas. We were saying last episode how Last Jedi didn't take anything and play it safely. The good, uh, the good place takes it ten times further. The good place literally throws out its own concept every couple of weeks. I've like, never even heard of it. It's a whole new show every few weeks. Interesting. It's uh, Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, and it's created by the Michael Shore. Huh. Okay. It's on NBC, and it is the plot of it is. When you die, all of your actions are added up as points, and you either go to the good place or the bad place. Okay. And the plot of the show is the main character, Eleanor, has been switched with a different person with the same name who belongs in the good place, but she actually belongs in the bad place. And she is trapped in heaven, and it sounds kind of like predictable, wah, wah, but you just really need to watch because by the end of the pilot, that's no longer the premise of the show. <laughs> okay. It's really a spectacular ride, and uh, Kristen Bell deserves every single Emmy on Earth for her performance. That sounds bonkers, but you've somehow managed to sell me on it. You, you got to check it out. It is it is shocking. And if it, 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 the the, 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 the the, the finale is literally one of the craziest things. The finale of the first season is literally one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. If you watch it, you will immediately message me, fork you. <laughs> it's incredible. I've, I've been thrown off my game now because usually recommendations are a thing from the year that the now came out. Oh no, I completely forgot. I thought it was year end recommendations. No. I had them ready for year end. No, no, it's fine. We're going to, we're going to audible into that right now. I, I, I just need to, uh, say that I'm going to... Um, so when I put together my year-end list, um, this really, to me, was a big year for um, for women in indie rock. And there was a lot of awesome stuff that I heard from artists. Like, I mean, not to mention some great albums by women outside of indie rock. Um, Charlotte Gainsbourg, Kesha, Lord, um, SZA, all albums that I absolutely loved this year but I'm going to shout out a couple of artists in, in indie rock um, Kayatana, a couple of Philly girls who put out an incredible album um, Diet Sig, which is a band name that I absolutely love um, <laughs> Charlie Bliss, which put out I think I, I ranked it my second or third favorite album of the year behind an album that I'll probably talk about at the year end episode if we have one, so I want to hold on to that. Uh, as well as one of my favorite finds this year, oh, Waxahachie also had a great album, um, an artist named Julian Baker, who I discovered at the very tail end of this year. Um, I have a tough time describing what kind of music she makes. I guess maybe like 
ethereal folk music. That sounds so pretentious, um, and I don't want you to get any ideas from me trying to describe it. But the fact that I can't describe it should be enough that makes it makes you want to go and search it out. That I can't just immediately lump it into a genre. Um, other than the fact that every song on this album fucking shattered me. Uh, and not in the same way like um, the Mount Erie album from this year shattered me. Um, just really poetic, introspective songwriting, uh, often about mental illness. Um, so it struck me in a lot of the right ways. Um, so of all of the awesome music by women this year, and there is a ton, and I'm sure I'm going to mention a lot of them um, in the year-end show, um, I just want to shout out, I guess, Julian Baker for being the biggest surprise, um, especially considering I just discovered her a couple of weeks ago at this point. So while, uh, you know, like I said, a couple of others of other artists, their full albums, we'll get some talks. Uh, this upcoming episode, uh, this one is was the nicest, pleasantest, most depressing surprise. Well, that sounds awesome, and I will be checking out a bunch of those. Yeah, um, it was a good good year for. It, I thought last year was a really shitty year for music. Um, this year, I think was a a big turnaround. From, you know, you have to find your own music at this point, man. We've talked about this before. It's like. If you have the internet and you're not searching out music you like, if you're just letting music come to you, you are doing it wrong in 2018. Yeah. You got to work hard at that shit now. Hell yeah. Um, Nico. Because you're so inundated and you're so flooded. Yeah, I mean, there's just stimulus everywhere. And I, like, you can go like SoundCloud rappers. Like, I'm going to joke about that being a thing every time, but, like, it's fine. Like, you can go, like... Really discover some music on SoundCloud now, like real serious artists being spawned off of there. Um, it's just like there's so much stimulus. You never have to stop. I agree. It Part of the problem even becomes sometimes sorting through all the bad yes. to find the, the magic underneath it, um, which is why I super appreciate when you put together these lists for me. Yeah. I, I, should, I should throw that list up when I do the end of the year album. I'll put that in the liner notes. Um, my favorite albums of 2017. I somehow managed to get to 25. Actually, it was way easier than last year. Last year sucked to get to that. I might have lost you, but I'm not sure. Uh, Nico, where can people find you? You can find me at KidRiotComics.com, where you can check out the awesomeness that is my comic book, Kid Riot, featuring the Riot Squad, about a young hero who gets his idols out of retirement, and together they kick ass and make puns and save the day, and the art's real fucking hot. Uh, you can check out my music with my buddy Adam over at facebook.com slash action duo. And if you want to check out me flexing, I look really good. Uh, it's over at Instagram, Nico J. Vasillo. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Chris Podcasts. You can find me and all of the rest of the shows at cageclub.me. Um, you can find me. And we'll have some. Oh. We'll have made some cool announcements uh, by the time this episode comes out. Oh. Any that you would like to plug on here since they will have been made already? Uh, yeah, starting in uh, February of 2018, uh, I will be hosting a bi-weekly uh, podcast called The Billy Club, where we will be covering Daredevil chronologically across all of his appearances in the Marvel Universe, uh, starting with number one in April of 1964 and going up through next month 600 and beyond. Uh, it's been a really fun project. We have a number of them done already. Um, it's occasionally looking at things like Karen Page in the 1960s saying to Matt, Oh, Matt, you'd be such a catch if only you weren't blind.
and uh, telling him that if she doesn't let him set her up with a doctor that might be able to cure him, he'll never be whole. Oh, hell yeah. Um, this sounds fun. To, to Foggy violently punching mirrors because Karen loves a blind man over him. Uh, to Matt Murdock, while not having super strength, picking up a car engine, taking a tire off of a, off of a rim, and then wrapping the car engine around a street pole Sorry, wrapping the, uh, the tire around a street pole and using the tire and the car engine as a slingshot catapult system and launching the car engine at a bad guy who just walks it off. All of that sounds amazing. Uh, I can't wait. And the first time ninjas or uh, kingpin show up is like 150, so, no, 160 something, 160 something. And we only cover five, six episodes and epi- five, six issues an episode. So it's it's it, fucking hang on to your dicks, bitches, because this is going to be quite the ride. And you will be able to find that uh, one month from now at CageClub.me uh, with everything else from the beautiful Cage Club Podcast Network. That includes Watch the Throne, where you can find Nico as well, and me in the future. It includes Keanu. It, includes it was a lot Cage. of fun. I got to say cuck a lot. Of course, we gotta we gotta spread our disease. We do. Uh, out, in fact, uh, we we're doing another episode of another show. Shh, secret. Oh though. yes, that's being recorded tomorrow. Um, I don't know when you'll yeah. know about it, people out there. But the content just keeps a flowing. And the content is this is going to be another one where I get to shout ridiculous things. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. You can good night. You can find me on Pornhub <laughs> under cock and ball torture. Absolutely, uh, CBT. Uh, and yeah, uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Oh,